0: Hello and welcome back to Fonzie's Philosophy. The following is an interview I have with uh, Coach Jack Carter, uh, pitching coach extraordinaire. Uh, he and I are actually working on a book all- at the moment in time about dynamic skill acquisition and kind of the basis of what we are trying to educate and teach young players and even coaches on to uh, help assist not just growing better baseball players. That of course is the uh, long-term goal, but actually better. Uh, young athletes and understanding how the body works or the mind muscle connection and how to create more fluid interaction of muscle groups through the prior reception of the muscles working correctly through the neuromuscular understanding. So here's my interview with Jack Carter. So we're here now with Coach Jack Carter. Coach Jack Carter is a well-renowned pitching coach and hitting coach uh, in the local, inner city. I should say inner city, but uh, that'll be the Inland Empire area and up in, of course, 29 Palms. And Coach Carter, through many years of experience, uh, has actually come up with this new style of teaching kids how to actually become better baseball players, specifically pitching and hitting, and it's called Dynamic Skill Acquisition. And the idea behind this dynamic school acquisition is uh, very actually unique and simple, which is a beautiful thing about coaching baseball because it is hard. But if we can make it simple, uh, I think it'd be great to help other kids be successful in it and have more fun. So I have a few questions we're gonna ask and this might run a little bit long, but we're gonna kind of go from here. Uh, Coach Carter, how are you this evening?
1: I'm doing fine, Mike, how are you?
0: I'm doing well. So let's just start at the basics what is dynamic skill acquisition and can you give an example of a simple example of a dynamic skill to acquire for a young athlete
1: sure first of all mike i would never deem to take you know uh, any ownership of, of the the whole process of dynamic skill acquisition there are lots of incredible scientists who have been working on this process for oh goodness probably 30 years 40 years um it's finally to the point where uh, you know, baseball's an interesting dynamic, and the whole I- interpersonal relationships, coaches, players, parents, all of that, it's a little bit of kind of, kind of a mythology in, in that whole process. You know, there's just a historical way of teaching baseball, and, and I was just as locked up into it as anyone else, and, and I was real fortunate. I had a, a younger coach, uh, Eugene Bleaker at 108 Performance Academy, and uh, Eugene does an outstanding job, but he handed me a book, Dynamic Skill Acquisition and Constraints Letter Approach and it absolutely revolutionized and changed completely my mindset in the process and then i had always been one of those that that uh, i believe in teaching my athletes game speed in other words we're going to execute at the level that you're going to execute in a ball game where it doesn't make much sense to practice um the whole theory behind dynamic skill acquisition is that we're going to in the constraints led approach The constraints are environmental constraints. We constrain the task, we constrain the the, the time frame, we constrain the the, the playing field, we constrain the implements that we're using to train. In other words, we we take and try and create a dynamically competitive situation pretty much along the lines of what they're gonna be facing in a ball game. Um, And let's take throwing for an example. Historically, throwing is an event that is taught with, uh, dad takes a youngster out into the backyard and says, "Hey, let's play catch and they stand in front of each other and in a very linear robotic fashion kind of lob the ball back and forth the reality is in a baseball game i don't think we ever see anybody actually throw like that you know they want to throw in a uh for for lack of a better hard. boys want to throw hard and they want to throw accurately and unless we start a process and i started when they're very young uh uh, of teaching a general style of movement uh, more athletic style of movement, just in general. And and when it comes to the dynamic skill acquisition part of things, is the program that you put together over an extended period of time. Uh, you can't expect motor learning to yield immediate results unless the kid is just really, really gifted, athletic, and, and very proprioceptive, very in tune and, and in touch with his body, the way it moves. <laughs> I find that most kids aren't. Uh, my higher level athletes, my college boys, my professional athletes, they have the same interesting proprioceptive issues that an eight-year-old has. In other words, it's our responsibility, I think, as coaches to get to the point where we're actually teaching the movements that are appropriate and correlate with the sport that we're trying to teach the dynamic skill in. So that's kind of it in a nutshell.
0: Nice. That's actually a very well-spoken answer. Uh, again, keeps it simple, the idea of it. So. Let's build on that idea. What is the reason this skill training works so effectively, especially in young athletes that aren't, you would say, considered gifted already in baseball?
1: You know, as coaches, we have a tendency to be a little overzealous. Uh, You know, it might be the word. Maybe our heart's a little too big. We want these kids to grow. We want them to become better at what we're coaching them at. And we almost take it personally. There's an ego involved. Coaching, true coaching, involves no ego. It involves an exciting process of trying to creatively put together an environment that is as close to possible, correlates as closely as possible to either the specific movements, the, the specific environment, as close to that competitive environment as possible. That's where the kids want to execute. They don't want to just be able to play a little catch. It's nice to do that. They don't want to just hit the ball a little bit. They want to hit a home run. So unless we get to the point where we actually can teach these youngsters listen and what we do we coach it out of them by allowing the kids to start just moving generally better when they're four five six seven eight years old at that point in time we start instilling that whole proprioceptive notion that mind muscle connection that ability to be able to say you know what I need to throw a baseball and there's an appropriate way for me to position my body during the process to do that. And, and if they're not told going back to the play and catch with dad in the backyard type thing, as opposed to say, Hey, listen, let's stand in front of each other 10 feet apart and, and throw darts to each other. No, let's set up a target and stand back 15 feet and, and say to your son, listen, I, I'm going to put a hole in the garage. I want you to do the same thing. Show me how you throw. Show me how when you throw hard, how, how are you going to do that? You know, by not coaching the natural movement out of the process, that's what we need to stop doing. Stop telling them that we know better than their bodies know. Because what ends up happening? What ends up happening is when they start moving really well, they kind of look at you like, hey, wait a minute. Maybe you don't know what you're talking about. I just kind of did this on my own. And I've had athletes... At, you know at the beginning of this process I would say hey talk to me be experimental with me let me help you to be creative and obviously when they're eight years old that's not necessarily the case but when they're 17 18 years old absolutely you want them to cooperate in the process and I haven't met a person yet that can consciously speak to his subconscious that'd be funny guy and we might want him in a seance or something like that but The bottom line is it takes a while to program those movements. The easiest process is to start as young as possible and to make them free movers. Allow them to associate the movement with, for example, with my youngsters, I use martial arts and dance moves. You know, my kids are ninja ballerinas is what I call them on the mound. They think it's really kind of a cute thing, but that's exactly what it is. There is no such thing as a pitching mechanic it's a very explosive and complex series of movements that combines to throw something in an elite fashion. So that's more the the the, the whole dynamic skill acquisition part of it.
0: And let's add on this. What do you think in your experience is the reason that it's not taught this way?
1: You know, I, I think it takes a certain eye. I think that fundamentally that coaches most of them they were pretty good players, but they don't know why. Um, they have a pretty good idea about things, but they don't really know how. In other words, you can kind of look at some video footage of a any athlete performing, and think that you basically kind of, in a nutshell, got what happens during that process, that that executional process. Not the case. Uh, you know, My godsend in the whole thing was when they came out with something that, and it was actually a version of a golf analysis program, something called Right View Pro and Don Slot. He slowed everything down for me. You know, when you slow everything down, all of a sudden, uh, Coach, that's exactly what put me into business. I have no professional background. I have no college degree. I had a, an experiential degree in the process of playing baseball, and I was very good at it. I see things really well. I see the timing. I, I see when the timing's not there. I see when movements aren't being executed properly and, and not being timed properly. Uh you have to do enough research. Paul Nyman, fantastic throwing guru. You know, you give credit to the Tom Houses and the, and, and the Driveline Baseball, some of the more recent researchers. But what it comes down to is, is, finally, in the last 20 years, we can see things better. When you can see things better, you can get to the point where you can actually begin to, to separate the movements in regard to trying to teach them. Not necessarily separate, them, because, you know, the major... Uh, definition of the whole throwing motion is it's one continuous move so what my kids have trouble doing for example is is naturally drifting into a throw, naturally moving why well because as coaches we've told them what right down that mountain you are going to rock down that mountain well then you're going to try and stop yourself halfway down and then you know rotate around your hip and, and make an elite throw oh not unless you're in the right position to do that so, you know, I, I firmly believe that the sooner we start in the better positions we teach earlier in the whole athletic process, the more success they're going to have in a long-term sense.
0: You mentioned a lot, and I really enjoy this, about starting when they're younger and also starting with just, I don't want to say the word average, but just kids get them to play baseball. Uh, yes. do, do you think that much of baseball training uh, or coaches – are really geared towards those elite players.
1: I think that, unfortunately, the game has evolved, especially when you start talking about the big city areas. You know, I I teach in Corona, Chino Hills, and those folks are all about the travel team. And, you know, I I have yet to see a travel team that actually gets into develop player development. There's a certain stigma that those those teams have. And one of them is we got to win the World Series. We got to go to a U-Triple-S-A event or a perfect game event or you know whoever else is out there and we better win an event because that shows what that shows me nothing other than you collected some pretty good talent. I mean the reality is I don't hear about too many folks you know then you hear about the Dave Coggins and the TFAs and then Eugene Bleakers, Lance Wheeler, those both you know once again not a lot of development they take pretty premium athletes and kind of tweak them and dial them in. So what ends up happening? Coaching is hard and it's just like hitting a baseball. And so what do you do? Well, when you hit a baseball, and you come tough enough to do, you stop doing it. I mean, you just get to the point where you don't stop. And one of my students sent me a video, that's how I keep track of those boys.
2: Beautiful. Yes,
1: we, just, we just did our work today, and so he was working on drifting, and I said, I want to see some video. So that's a very interesting and complex little maneuver, but once they actually understand, we teach these kids to be such a rock. You know, when they're getting into athletic positions, it's not like that. You have to be in the strike position that a that ninja's in. You have to be ready to assault. You can't be ready to, <clears throat> and what I tell them, you look like you're ready to bounce nickels off your
2: body.
1: <laughs> you, know, you look like you're ready to stop speeding bullets, dude. You no. don't need to be there. Right. You need to be relaxed enough, and then what? Pop it at the right time. Just like we talked about with the whole powerlifting thing. And the timing involved there you know what ben's looking fantastic at right now he's starting to get the timing down and funny thing he was a little bit off in the upper part of the torso the the, the uh the, the shoulder plate rotational shoulder plate and i said ben are you actually engaging your scaps the right way that involves two split seconds to engage and release them you're off by about two split seconds would you please engage and release scaps the right way I said, this is not a matter of me teaching you something. This is a matter of you instituting go at the right time, like I told you to. Boom, boom, right time. And he's, oh, guess what? No delay, perfect timing. So, you know, a lot of times it's the coaching eye and the ability to kind of be able to say, no, 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 no. You loaded and you think you're 90% and, and 90% of the fellows coaching you would say, hey, that was a decent load. Mm-hmm. I see that it's not.
2: Okay, and
1: you don't always have to be really. It's not a. It's not a visual thing necessarily because sometimes you don't have to see the result. Yes, if you don't get the right result. He didn't go back for it because the guy, the kid will tell me, "Listen, I felt like I rotated it back far enough. I did my thing." I said, "Okay, did you drift comfortably? Were you able to step step into you rotate into foot plan when you throw?" If we're not teaching our kids to move when they're four, five, six, seven, eight years old, they are not going to rotate at the foot plant when they're, you know, 10 or 12 years old. And we want these kids to be able to throw and pitch, for goodness sakes.
2: And so the worst thing you can do is take an 8-year-old and say, listen, I
1: want you to just start throwing strikes. He's going to turn around and front-face the plate
3: and he's going to throw darts.
1: And, and you know what that leads to? That leads to my professional player can throw darts at 91 miles an hour. He is within probably 12 inches of his spot. Uncanny location. And what's he desperately working with me to gain? Velocity. Because all of those pitches will play so much better. And I said, you understand? A little bit of your command going to go by the wayside because you're no longer throwing darts and you've relied on that for so long. So if we don't teach our kids to throw darts from the outset and actually tell them, listen, it's okay. Hey, you're going to hit a kid. Nobody wants to do that. We're not not trying to do that. That's your best friend on the other team. You love those folks. But part of the throwing process is to take away that fear. Part of the throwing process and the whole movement process is to acquaint them enough with the fun of, you know, I I have all sorts of multi-directional, multi-dimensional, multi-movement type throwing drills. Very little of what the kids do is stand in front of a target or play catch. That's not how they throw in a ballgame.
0: Now, you're bringing up this idea of foot plant and drifting, and you said earlier prior perceptors and muscle memory. How do we connect those? First, what are you talking about? How do those connect, the prior perception and the muscle memory? How does that work together?
1: You know, motor learning is a real interesting process, and it has three basic phases. You know, you have your initial phase, you have a middle phase, and then you have automaticity. Your initial phase, cognizant aware, you, you become aware of some things from an initial standpoint. And when my kids are doing things wrong, the initial phase of motor learning, we we can make some corrections. And what's fascinating is the kids that are more proprioceptive, that are more body aware. In other words, they can think something and actually do something. Those kids, they have an immediate improvement, and they're really excited. Oh goodness, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna whip this out this whole this this whole movement. I'm gonna adjust this whole movement pattern in about a month well then the second part of the whole system hits. you've got a spinal engine you've got a central nervous system you've got components in your body that once again i've never met the fellow who could consciously communicate with his subconscious with the central nervous system with his spinal engine those are things that they run they run naturally in other words as coaches what we don't want to do is inhibit that process we want to let them run we want to, because dynamic skill acquisition is all about having a coordinated movement problem. And your body coordinating itself, coordinating itself to, to find a, a movement that's going to solve that, that problem. In other words, I need to throw hard. What exactly am I going to do to coordinate my body to be able to throw hard? So uh, you know, a lot of what we need to stop doing is, is coaching out of the kids this natural movement. If we encourage anything, it's, would you guys please get outside and play a little sandlot baseball, play some wiffle ball for God's sakes. Do some things that are gonna kinda keep you stroking and throwing and moving and turning and twisting and jumping. You know, what I want them to do, and you're probably more of an expert than I am, Mike, is is what are the the, the four major movements, the push, pull. uh,
0: Hip dominant, knee dominant.
1: Okay, that. So I want them to be able to do that. What I discover, my kids can't move, they can't dance. So when they're having trouble doing simple things and, and I have fun, I'll put on Motown in a heartbeat. and I'll say, you don't want Motown? Fine. Put on one of your nasty rap boys. We'll dance to that. Whatever we have to do, gentlemen, to teach you how to move that fanny a little bit.
0: So so I, this is why I noticed you're talking about a young age. So why is it important to do this at a young age? It's almost the same idea of why we te- we almost encourage parents to uh, get kids in gymnastics. It's the same concept.
1: Absolutely, Coach. I mean, the reality is, when I see a 12-year-old, it breaks my heart. And I've got one right now. And the boy is five foot nine and 180 pounds. And he's just getting started with me. He's three months into the, his whole process. And believe it or not, we had him three months into it. And he actually rotated. And I had a pitching. The kid was throwing 60, 65 miles an hour. No arm pain. And prior to that, he had terrible arm pain because he wasn't connecting his body properly to throw. And what do big kids want to do? They want to throw hard. And they're going to throw despite... Their body telling them that they're not supposed to be doing that which it does by taking some great pain and, and stress from here and radiating it right down into the bicep and I, you know the boy virtually was in tears so we're, we're back to that and, and and when i'm you know my twitter following when i get back to i'm going to actually post marco this because i said you know you're good enough at this point because the first time i would have posted it would have been just terrible the collapse. but i want people to see that it's not just the kids that are performing in a stellar fashion that i post or talk about or any of that has nothing to do with that. The kid that I value the most is the, my, my Marco. We've got a boy named Tyler Pat. Tyler's just a, a beautiful 10 year old boy that has throwing and movement issues.
3: Believe it or not, he hits pretty well, which
1: is kind of crazy. <laughs> but throwing and movement issues. But what he learned how to do the other day, you'll appreciate this coach, turn a double play. You know, how to throw, no. how to, to that, that counter rotation, flip the bag counter rotation, all of those things he needed to be able to do. The movement with his foot to actually touch the bag. He needed to learn how to do that because all of those things help him coordinate. Then I watch a kid that grabs a bat and kind of gets the crap out of the ball. Hmm. So amazing to me that the first time we actually moved Tyler, and I use lots of plyo platforms, BOSU balls. I have him jumping off all, all kinds of things to throw. Uh, you know, coming out of all sorts of different positions to throw. He was the one that taught me that, that kids can do 360 birds off the flyout platform and still land in throwing positions. And I would have never thought as an athlete that that was him. <laughs> and then just for giggles, what do you do? Well, then you take your best older athletes and you say, hey, 17-year-old or 20-year-old that has an eight-pack, show me coming off a platform, show me that. And he's like, oh, ooh, and I went,
2: yeah,
1: interesting, huh? Here, let me show you my 10-year-old doing that. He goes, hey, that's cheating. I said, no, he's just small like a Spider-Man. Yeah. You actually weigh 200 pounds. It's hard for you to come down like that, do that full rotation. And that's a lot of movement for you. I said, but what it did do for him was help make him more proprioceptive, help understand what I was trying to teach him, like how to land.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: How to land properly. So you put him up on a platform or something like that, and they come off of that. And what's the reality? They start realizing that their body is what? Solving a movement problem while they're in the air. So just an obvious way to demonstrate that. They all look at me the same thing. Oh, I do something. Wow, well, I get ready to land. Yes,
0: right. you do. <laughs> what so far have you noticed is the hardest skill acquisition? What is the hardest movement or basic understanding of the body that some of these young athletes or even the older athletes are hard, are having a hard thing to transition? And why do you think that is?
1: Um, I, I think <laughs> it's anything that is a loading transferring rotational process is really difficult for the kids to understand because they were never taught to do it the right way they haven't been taught athletically from the point in time when they were four five six so you get a kid for example is taking hitting lessons hitting lessons are real big in the big city first of all i'm here's what the deal is you you, you can to get to the baseball or you can't so you can try and teach a youngster to be better positioned to get to the baseball to hit the baseball but the reality is that it's all, once again, a timing issue. You load that hip and you come out, you make a swing on, on plane to take care of business. What I end up seeing is these guys getting, and hitting Twitter is kind of the same way. I see these guys getting almost just way overly analytical, way overly involved in the process. They make hitting out like it's something that they can teach technically. You don't teach people to time things from an athletic standpoint. They either have that timing or they don't. They're either good, you know, they're good hands, kids, good hand-eye coordination. And you take—we had the young Aristosavo boy, you know, potentially a good athlete. You get to the point where all of a sudden you're playing at a certain level, and the game starts moving a little too fast. Pitches are too fast. The ground balls are too fast. Uh, the players themselves are too fast, you know, type thing. So I, I try and 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 help the kids understand that that. It's just a really simple, long-term process that positioning is just extremely important in the process. So you say that... The whole dance move and the whole martial
0: arts move. thing. So you're saying that the movement in the transverse plane is something that has been kind of negated, building up until almost the pitching is becoming too complex and that's where they just can't match anything. Absolutely.
1: Uh, it, it gets to the point where, in my estimation, you know, all of this velocity, all of the power, it's created for rotational movements. The problem is we couldn't see rotational movements in the past. We didn't understand. Them. So when the eye sees something at, what is it, what's the at 32 frames a second or something like that, and, and, and things are actually moving at 400 frames a second, you know, we're not going to see that. So I think that guys have unfortunately kind of stuck their chest out and said, listen, I'm going to purport to believe in this. And then when those things get proven wrong, like I said, Lance Wheeler, bless his heart, poor Velocity Bill, at a point in time, you know, somebody's going to come back and say, dude, it wasn't necessary. Mm-hmm. What was necessary is understanding how to position people's bodies to instruct them to rotate properly. But that whole rotational, being able to actually control the hips and the muscles and and coordinate that whole, like I said, loading transfer process on a rotational plane is just really difficult for the kids.
0: What's an example of a tool that you use in a dynamic skill acquisition setting or a movement drill?
1: Simple things. I'll use a PVC pipe, want them to have some sort of stability to be able to rotate on. If we're trying to teach, for example, a pelvic load. Another real simple process, I use a, uh, they, they do them, they have a little yoga slide disc, mm-hmm. And they're about six bucks a piece. Cheap, mm-hmm. silly thing to buy. Um, but when it talks about working and internally rotating hips, and kids that have trouble doing that, it's a much more practical way to try to teach that movement. In other words, if the kid's having trouble doing it, if your student's having trouble, uh, don't care if the kid's eight years old, four years old, you could actually, with that slide disc, move the ankle, close the hip. And at a point in time, they began to do that themselves. So the big thing, for example, with Ben today, after you had done your workout with him, was just doing a few things that helped close that hip, close that hip. And I made him realize, too, I said, you got to look at these two pictures, and I said, you know, you're getting conflicting information here. We're talking about step down, and you're actually opening up that front foot too much to step down. You've got to create something that you can rotate into. You have to create that energy receptor. So, what ends up happening is the younger we start with the kids, the sooner they learn how to receive the transferred energy. They don't know how. And that's, and every now and then, oh goodness, I forgot Caleb's last name. But a majority of my customer base are these beautiful Hispanic boys that move well, can't dance until Caleb came along. Caleb, can you dance? Yes, sir, coach, you want, you want Cumbia? You want Baila? Well, what do you want? Hey, uh, three weeks of drills in this kid <laughs> gained probably 10 miles an hour. Went out one night and, and every 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 adult in the stands went for 200 people in the stands. Mom is texting me from the ballpark. What did you do to him? But The good way of what did you do to him?
2: Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> in this day and age, it was the good way. It was like, what did you do to him? I, I don't get it. And I said, no, it's what he did to
0: himself. The boy could dance. So are you stating, not should say stating, but in your estimation, a lot of the uh, fancy, expensive equipment is kind of not needed to where if you just start using these little things to help them understand their bodies, it's more important than getting like a hit away.
1: Mike, the boot camps, the, um, you know, there, there are lots of multi-thousand dollar events. They're absolutely useless for the most part. If you're a pretty advanced pitcher, you can go to, you know, one of these elite, what we'll call it, ranches. And and you can get, what Ben told me, 13 stations at at, uh, the Texas Baseball Ranch. So he just ran 13 stations. 13 typical drills of, you know, doing old pitcher stuff as opposed to movement type stuff. So we solve a multitude of problems by teaching
3: movement over mechanics. Uh, Zach DeGant, he's the trainer at TCU, sharp
1: guy, wrote a book called Movement Over Maxes. Mm-hmm. And that would be mm-hmm. my comment to people: who would do movement
0: over mechanics. Yeah, he, he's a, in the strength coach world, I know him. He's very well known for, yes, he doesn't max out a lot, full range of motion. They do a lot of tempo work, a lot of explosive work. A lot uh, of
1: speed turn, like yeah. A lot of sprint work. A lot of sprint giving, yeah. A lot of athletic holds. Yeah. I love this stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we're going to cut it short for now. We'll come back with part two. Uh Okay. Hey, we're back. This is the uh, second part of the interview with Coach Carter. We're going to get a little more specific with his specific uh, coaching style with some of his athletes today. So my first question is you have some uh, some D1 and some pro athletes. What changes have you made specifically? Because these are D1 guys and pros, possible pros. What results have you seen with these guys? These are the top end, coming to the top 120-plus players in the in, The world what are what changes are you making and what results do you see
1: you know from an overall teaching standpoint the 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 teaching is similar it's a matter of how they perceive and receive the teaching when the youngster is a youngster when he's eight years old 10 years old 12 years old the coach has to be really intuitive you have to really be able to dial into that student because you have to understand when a kid's struggling or he just can't do it. You know, you know I have a 10 year old that can do a 360 whirly bird off a plyo platform and land in a, in, a, in a position to throw the baseball. And I mean accurately and hard. But when I put him into a position to actually rotate and pitch in a stationary, static way, it doesn't work.
3: And I see the look in his face when he panics. And, and he wants to please me, he
1: wants to perform the movement. He realizes his body's not doing it and see the perplexed look why not proprioception no connection so you have to slow down and teach that connection on a very elementary level the pro the d1 kid on the other hand he's moving pretty fast already and with him it's a matter of adjustments they already are wrong most of them are doing things the wrong way the misunderstanding of, of driving that momentum in a very linear fashion down the mound and creating that, that directional power that they want not understanding that rotational power actually the nature of rotational power especially when you've got separate for rotating and spreading together is going to be uh, you know the, the old ads about david and goliath and throwing the sling and the slingshot the length of the rope on the slingshot you know the more rotational velocity we can create the harder we're front. so with my Guys that are a little bit older, I was working with one of the, you know, my pro kids today, and we really started discussing specifically the loading of the core area and how specifically it's loading, how specifically it's released. Because the general commentary is always, you have to load your core.
3: You need to have a pelvic load. Okay, sure. What, what does do that mean? Play? What exactly
1: does that mean? So I rotate into my, you know, and the other thing i mentioned
2: joe i said you don't get it you are creating tension before the tension needs to be
1: created so uh, and i'll tell you that it was a great result out of the lesson you're creating tension in the back inside of your leg when you're trying to rotate back into your heel i want you to continue to lift that leg you know lift your knee keep that back leg straight relatively speaking and continue to try and lift and rotate back there tell me what you're feeling i said by the time you get to the point where your you know your hips are actually right together where you've straightened your pelvis, you can't load that, period. Your body's not in a position to to be a receptor. And we're just an energy receiver and a a giver type situation. In other words, I'm going to load some energy, I'm going to synchronize the movement to transfer that energy, and I'm going to hopefully do it rotationally, so that's a really powerful whip-like action in whatever implement, whether it's a baseball bat or whatever. So as he and I are talking today, he starts to move this forward, and I said, okay, now I understand that we've got some other cueing in there so that when we for example land that front shoulder that front shoulder needs to be in a position that is rocked up capable of helping hold back that torso which is being controlled as it's being unloaded into the drift so you can't teach that with a training belt or or, or a med ball throw or, or any of that because none of those are relevant to the specific throwing action if you can correlate the movement i don't care what they invent device uh, drill, whatever. If it correlates specifically to the movement pattern, if it's involved in an elite throwing proposition, absolutely I'm all for it. Anything that doesn't correlate specifically doesn't work. And on that level, the pro kids and the D1 kids, they want specifics. bro. They want 98. They don't want 91 in a hip issue.
0: You brought up an interesting point in that comment about how a lot of your guys, when you first meet them, how they haven't been taught right, is what you're basically saying is, they're taught medicine ball throws they're taught you know throwing with the bell things like that but as you said they're not taught specifically the or the towel they're not taught to specifically how to generate certain muscles within the core the shoulder what muscles to use what to actually focus on in a mind muscle connection is that what you're basically saying absolutely
1: that's okay. why i'm a big fan of you coach i'm a big fan of zach McCann. I'm a big fan of, of fellas as a strength industry in the nutritional industry that understand that it's movement first. You know, you teach that movement first and then you make that kid really strong and he has the potential to be Usain Bolt or Michael Jordan or Nolan Ryan or... I don't even like the football days. is in the top radio, I guess. I'm like old white guy. But they all have that potential. You've got to get the movement out of them first and mm-hmm. then you can start dialing in things in, in, in baseball for a pitcher. It's what? spin axis, spin efficiency, and you are know, working on what plane, uh, you know, they're actually uh, uh, delivering pitches on, you know, working against that, that you that know, the baseball bat's working on, the barrel's working on, mm. they can get into those kind of details. And you can imagine if a guy's doing that, and he's throwing 105 miles an hour instead of 97. Major League Baseball, they settle because there's a fear. And it's like, don't be afraid, you know, Kyle Bodie was Cincinnati Reds, he's not going to be afraid. Boy's going to take it to the wall. He's going to say, no, 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 no. If you want to develop these players, we're going to teach you how to move really well and throw really hard, and then we'll figure out what to
0: do with them after the 0 one oh five. Now, you mentioned a lot of the um, balance beam and this balance beam drill. What, can you kind of give a little visual about, I'm assuming it seems like a, like a 2 by 4 and then they have to jump off of it. What is this? And what does that help with? What does you do with that drill?
1: But first of all, Remember, I, I, that was something that, that I saw done and, and used a little bit when I was over at the 108 Performance Academy. I've never had that balance between, you know, myself to or take to a field or, or a training facility that had that. What it did give me, you guys an opportunity to do was understand center stabilization, core stabilization. And, and fellas think that they understand that. No. When you start moving your appendages away from your body, so you have to understand how to move in space. So when you start understanding what that what that balancing force was the issue when you moved a limb away from the beam, you had to, keep, you had to have a reciprocal move. Right? You, and it didn't have to be a huge move, but you had to make sure that you stayed not only cored up and engaged, but the ability to dynamically adjust. What I didn't like about it was it's almost too cored up. So I, I really, out of the whole lesson today, my process to me, when we finally chef, up, so I'm taking from this that you know what, Coach? I have been approaching this entirely wrong. I have been approaching it like strength, power, a cannibal boom, and it's not that. It's a powerful, de- Coach. You kept telling me it's a dance move. And the first time you said that, I laughed. I'm not laughing anymore. It is a. I told you, bro. It's a supreme dance move. It is the ultimate Bruce Lee attack. Bruce Lee could have done that. Bruce Lee would have been a badass pitcher.
0: Biwata or, or, or whatever, right? Biwata. That's what he said. Okay, <laughs> next thing. Uh, what is the most difficult and maybe the most important in your opinion? Arm slot, hip drive, or the leg plan? What is the most difficult to teach or correct? And what might be the most important? And I could be wrong. You could be something totally different.
1: But my first thing I look for like phone alignment, arm action. Okay. doesn't have good arm action, don't lose you're thinking he's going to get
0: So arm um, action, not necessarily where they throw it from, just to-
1: And then the first thing that we get into is you, you start the kids moving in a general. In kids,
3: you know, to me they're all kids, whether it's 19-year-old or, or whether he's a 9-year-old. You start them moving
1: in like generalized correlated movements to the whole growing process and see how well they move through that process, much along with the same exact thing that you would do if you're gonna evaluate that, like a functional movement screen or something like that. Okay, you know, you have a very, very, very for you, it's a very strict set of tests and, and guidelines. For me, it's the eye test, you know, it's it's watching that whole process. Watching, for example, my one of my young college fellows doesn't move his hips real well. And I've got two of them that move their hips extremely well, but it doesn't mean that necessarily they can formulate the whole drifting and step-down movement because it's a difficult move to synchronize in time because it's not just dealing with the hip move; It's dealing with a
2: complete
1: body movement. The ability, and, and I, I tweeted out today, and the ability to have really superior body control and to understand when your body is loaded. Kids don't realize. So I get the kids that lift that knee and you'll see them in the pros they do it. They don't load completely. Kids kids going 097 control 105. You know but there's that limited the pros are scared but they don't want to develop that like we talked about but you'll see it get to that back hip, and then just start before he even gets there he's bouncing forward he's already created the tension quad related bounced himself forward and he's going to have a hard time pros those young fellows, are superior athletes they can control that movement forward and still launch their hip in a funny way to throw 91 95 miles an hour so Not all folks can do that. And once again, that just leads to, we have so many arm injuries these days and it's not throwing curveballs. It's like, no, 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 no. It's a matter of throwing too hard. The body says, listen, I can't throw that hard. I'm failing at 105 miles an hour if I'm not moving perfectly. So yeah, you got me from 97 to 99, but in doing that, I just exacerbated a a compensatory movement pattern. Not
0: to be done. So so in other words, all of the processes that we know so far in many of them, it's not, even though you're breaking down the movement and you, but people are focusing on leg drive, people focus on hip drive, not realizing it correlates all together. And we're separating so much that, okay, well, they figured this one thing out. So now it works instead of building it all together.
1: Absolutely. My comment on Twitter today was, "It is really and and you know, bless your heart, with all due respect, Paul Nyman. It's really difficult to teach a continuous movement in stages. Every time you break up that stage, it creates a, a movement issue, another one. You can't stop it. You know, it's like, wait a minute, but he doesn't do it right. Okay, get him back to the beginning again." and then continue to move him forward until all of a sudden he has, what, the epiphany, the light comes up, the big light bulb, moment. for all athletes it's a little bit different. All right? But yesterday, my, my, my kid, I, I love my my, my eight-year-old's going to be a star. That's the one that uh, Frankie looked at and said, that kid could play the JV team. I said, yes, I should. <laughs> but, like his hand's so small, he's got a cup of baseball like right, this to throw it.
3: Yeah.
1: And the reality is he realized, again, the coach caught it doing that yesterday. But I said, why? To my bicep hurts a little bit. I have to disconnect and go to a funny place to throw it like that. But I still grow hard. I said, yeah, I do, but not hard enough. And so what do I come home and as I'm cramping up last night, I've got a baseball in my hand trying a new three-finger grip because he won't put a thumb underneath the balance. You can't do it. Hmm. So you deal with all of those kinds of issues when you're trained. And that's a variable. That's another limitation. But you can't stop the training process. So, with my pros, for example, or my college kids, it's listen, dude, you're having trouble with that movement because you haven't done it 10,000 times. Give me 10,000 movements. How long is that going to take? The two or three years that I told you that it would. But you're also an advanced mover and thinker and elite athlete. And if you'll put in some of the what, like the subconscious work, yeah, the mental work, the proprioceptive time where you're trying to connect mentally actually make that connection get your brain involved in the process that level of intent mm. so that's what i kind of lecture my, my boy about today was you got to have that level of intent in and amongst all of these other things mm. i mean you can't just think it through and you can't just work it through you have to do both when you have the both, what do you have high muscle connection
0: yeah all the other my muscles
1: i i, I, I tell the kids i call it the ctl thing in front of a mirror, mm. watch yourself move and feel what's going on and then make that connection. I have kids come back and go, I can't believe how he, what you told me is right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> really appreciate that you took done the to research. I, I love to be
0: validated. Now, here's another interesting thing that's happening a lot. Uh, and I'm wondering if you feel it's a correction that some pitching coaches are doing. The throwing across the body. That's like a big thing. Uh, Scherzer does it. Uh, that's a big thing that a lot of these younger guys coming up, they're doing where like the righty will step to third and throw across their body. Where does that coming from? Why? I mean, I know it works for them, but is this going back to not understanding how their body moves? So they're making a correction, an adaptation?
1: Oh, Well, they're creating the angle that they want. Pitching mm-hmm. is all about geometry. Okay. So when you take that step to third base, you create a totally different angle. You know, Arietta, when he was throwing 95 from that angle, 97, was impossible to hit. Hence,
2: mm-hmm. uh, you know, Cy Young and lots of wins and the mm-hmm. Cubs do well. And yada, yeah. yada. With the Phillies, he's
1: a different pitcher. He's lost velocity. It costs you some. Scherzer doesn't come as much across his hip nearly as if Arietta does for his hip. Correct. There's a lot straighter. And if him, is if he's he is such a superior athlete, that I think that he uses that to help create additional torque, okay. additional tension across his body. He's not so much looking for the pitch angle, okay, the different angle on the pitch.
2: So, the guys have different reasons. You know, Jared Weaver was huge stepping in the third place. Yeah. He got
1: short in his career yeah but you know that guy was a man when he was throwing at long beach state back in what oh two or something like that yeah and then slipped right into the pros and threw like a man the next 10 or 12 years and then once the shoulder ah. went it was done that shoulder has a tough time working at
0: that angle consistently so, so okay so some people superior athletes or creating more whip but then some might use it as a compensation and then it'll catch up to them because they're restricting their movement appropriately. They're okay. Bingo.
1: Bingo. So in, in essence it's, it's what? A really elite compensatory movement that And it's like, no 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 but when you're when you're good enough to generate 97 from that arm angle, you saw how much of how well it worked for Ariata for the two or three years that he yeah. was just emo in his prime. Yeah. That in the back kid eats everything he's supposed to and looks like a you know what brick house like yeah. you. So <laughs> he takes care of it like he's supposed to.
0: Now, here's another thing. The whole, you, we mentioned this in the opening in the first chapter of the book about that leg spacing, about that distance, that measurement, 80%, 100%. What is that philosophy coming from? I, I know you don't agree with it because it, it's a it's a measurement that going, almost going back to wingspan and all that stuff. What, how does it, why is that, exi- what does it exist and what is it trying to prove?
1: Uh, until Tom House and other you know, PhD type fellas kinesiologist and kinesiologists and movement and mode or learning people got involved. Baseball coaches didn't understand what they were looking at. Okay. So everything was a pronouncement of the specific my description as a baseball coach. I'm not necessarily like educated, just baseball guy baseball <laughs> guy. I want you to, to get that arm up in the back. And I want you to get that arm. But why? Can you tell me specifically? And that's what I always used to ask questions. That's so why I figured things out when I was in college, you know, Coach Noel would tell me something. I'd say, okay, well, why are we doing that? Can you explain two minutes of good? Put in my two cents worth, and he'd say, I never have that. I never get that cooperative effort. It's like the guy, I said, I'm not afraid of you or anything. good to say, sake, a nice man. Love you to death. And I love the things you're teaching me. This is great. I, my, when I went to, the, I was a linear guy. I was a hard-throwing 86, 87 mile, 88 mile an 88-mile-an-hour guy. And the first time I started popping ninety five, I went, "Oh, God. you got to be kidding me! This is crazy!" And it's different And it felt. Different. I knew that I was capable as an athlete of actually affecting those moves, position, body control, all of that. But, but coaches never—that's too in depth. <clears throat> that's that's too. Much of a departure from me just actually being a coach to talk about, you know, how the body has to be uh, controlled and and moved in a what? To say he's a dancer. Mm -hmm. I've never heard another baseball coach use that term ever. is is, still won't use it because I say dancer and that's a little too what? Could be.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's dancing and it's not pitching. Right. And
1: it's like, yeah, you guys don't get it. You know, pitching is not pitching. Pitching is
0: pitching. And so dancing, and dancing, is so the same thing. The measurement of that leg drive, though, that's kind of just arbitrary. So it'll be different. If you can't, it won't mean anything.
1: The way the young person moves. If you have a tremendous quality mover and he's really able to be athletic in that rotational process from the very beginning, he doesn't lose anything in his stride.
2: Okay.
1: Nothing. He learns how to strike correctly to that point because for the most splitting your strike gets to the point where they're going to get extension way too soon, right? Back leg straightens out completely. There's no rotation left in that process and uh, no rotation. You can't get to the front hip the right way. Pros compensate by doing what? Slapping one hip over the other one. Mm. Boom. Right. And I can throw that back leg up and look like I am throwing hard. I love it when my kids try and do that. I'm like, oh, dude, that's real pretty. I'll put you in the you know the ice skates. You know you can do that ice skating move where they got that leg straight up in the back. That's beautiful, mm. but you didn't rotate. That gal's not trying to jump at that moment. If so she was, she would rotate into that move.
0: So when we're separating, so by this idea of this teaching this eighty percent, one hundred percent, they're separating. Going back to their separating movement, they're going to reach first without loading to drive. They're almost they're going to open up, have hip flexion first, and then they have no rotation.
1: And that's what ends up happening when they're very linear. When they're smart, and they start actually feeling the process because we talk about, and one of the big movements is the, the, the feel. Lance Wheeler says, You got to trust the feel. And my comment is, You read it, you got you to be able to teach the feel. Right. You got to be able to tell him what he's supposed to be feeling. No, trust what you're feeling. Know that you never threw 96. Because you can't just tell a kid, listen, the core movement It is a specific rotation as you're coming forward
3: your hips are rotating at one speed your core's rotating slower mm-hmm. and you have to hold
1: that front lock shoulder position to keep that in front of that core in place and let it come down into control now just as you're landing what they don't understand you let it go you relax completely into what into the hip that you're trying to extend back into your pelvis mm-hmm. the only way it's going to extend back into the pelvis is what relaxed. You have to let it rotate. So what do they do? What's the first thing? They step down start to tighten. quads, hammy, as cheap Don't tighten. What you need to do to stabilize the process of planting your foot. But then realize that you're going to be moving the weight around on your foot as well. Hmm. So this is truly a dancing process. Hmm. You don't spin and rotate unless you compl- displace weight on your foot the right way and then up through the rest of your body ground force production so there are little elements of that just like part of what you're talking about brother you're talking about the hip shoulder separation thing Mm -hmm. and wanting to create that with the right stride gotcha so all of i want my kids to understand if the body becomes this torque mechanism and the only way you create that is if it's really loose and then we do what just like you talked about buddy perfect analogy I've been using ever since we talked about it, the power lifter now at that moment you strike you strike that's when you coordinate all of that and, and with a lot of things like a power lifter you're coordinating lots of things but they're just thinking that it's the push up thing no 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 right. you've got some ground force that you're creating yeah. in an incredible way I mean by the time you get to that that force level up through running through your chest that's when you feel like you're strong mm. and to go boom and, and do whatever right you know i'm know. Do
0: okay we, back to this linear thrower thing when we were talking about the idea of a strike thrower do you think like a lot of times they are afraid to do this changing because the kid is a strike thrower on a linear pattern and if you're messing with them they'll basically not become a strike thrower when they can lose that
1: okay you know professional pitching trainers are much more inclined to want to help him move better and rotate better this is a major issue for our youth leagues, little league coaches, travel ball coaches, pony league coaches. That's what they do. I got a kid that throws strikes and he has a pretty good arm, so he's throwing seven miles an hour, eight miles an hour slower than he should be, but he throws strikes and gets most everybody out and uncompetitive with him in the game. So then all of a sudden the kid throws back to that game in the championship series. I got a boy right now that is down and he won't probably pitch again until he's a sophomore, junior in high school. He was my right-handed pitcher. He was a gifted 12, 13-year-old. 14 now. He'll make the team as a player because he can also get bombs. But there was one summer here about three years ago. He was the man in Corona for his age. So he pitched on three travel, all-stars and some other specialized teams. And they all used him, and his dad allowed it. And I was like, I just don't know you to be that kind of a guy. And he was, we're trapped in a situation. There's a lot. How's Barrett holding up, and he's in his arms holding up. Well, it didn't hold up two years later. He's now been down with growth plate issues the last couple of years. And the last time I talked to his dad, it was much more serious. Uh, he gave me a little, Jack, Jack, we're not talking about that right now. Wow. All for one summer.
0: Because he was a linear thrower. It's was and through strikes, he
1: was, he was a relatively rotational thrower who couldn't stabilize his front knee. So he had to pull up and be linear right at the last moment. What did that do? Provides just enough of a compensatory pattern that over a period of time between the growth plate issues, because what they did was they took out some bone chips. Mm. Also, you know, out of a 13 year old kid, that shouldn't be the case. So any, any form of, of and, and for Barrett, that was his particular cause is he would collapse that front knee just a little bit. And Mike, when you're going 75 miles an hour, when you're 13 years old, collapsing that front knee, can you imagine what he could throw if he just could completely stabilize and was completely rotational? Right. So, my guys that are completely linear, those are the guys I see, you know, I, I'm doing my work over at a parking front and I'm watching the local Pony again. and I love those folks. But every coach has the same thing.
3: The kid that throws with his arm right up here, that throws perfect darts for strikes
1: every one of them and he doesn't throw real hard and he's got an interesting knee lift that is absolutely of no value in other words they're not teaching the movement they're teaching strike row and strike growing is not either <laughs> that's what my dog does too <laughs> somebody coming up in the yard
0: yeah that actually moves into our next question uh you talked earlier about Arm issues because kids are throwing hard. Also, what about the, uh, the old myth about kids throwing curveballs? Let's kind of finish up on that as we're getting close to the end.
1: You know, arm action, I told you, was the primary consideration for a pitcher, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Correct.
1: Arm so action throws a good curveball. Period. You know, you teach the grip properly. You teach how to actually initiate the pitch properly. You know, I have a couple of teachers for my kids, you know, with the slider, it's you're throwing a fastball but you're twisting a little bit at the end. That's the feeling that you want to have. Mm -hmm. All right. And you learn to develop different degrees of what? Angle. Angle. Positioning on the baseball. All right? With a curveball. That's always more of an issue because kids have a preconceived notion that they've got to kinda tuck things and tuck things and pretty
2: soon they're throwing a curveball into their chair. No, Mm -hmm. no, 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 no
1: or they're out here rotating. They don't understand it. you got to get to the front side and leverage that off-speed pitch. So, it's it, the point where we're, I,
3: I don't want the kid to be a linear thrower, period, because
1: I want the an arm angle, and then I want that, you know, to, Teaching off street is a whole new uh,
2: experience for most of the kids. Mm-hmm. Every night I get the kids that are very fortunate, they get to the point
3: where they get at least load from The proper load solves
1: probably 80% of the problem mm-hmm. going forward. In other words, getting to that front hip the right way. Even with a proper load, like they're probably 80% of the front hip. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because we start in the right position i told you most of the time I've got my kids straight up here that's mm-hmm. going to generate a little throw. of throw at that point so we want to establish those rotational planes as early as possible in the movement i.e. why I start teaching my 8 year olds how to rotate dance and move and then we say hey let's do some throwing too
0: so if it goes back to it's not arm action it's arm position slash body position which then can put tension on the arm.
2: Like you're throwing
1: around your spot. Okay. An so if you create the right angle, hold oh, on. Oh,
2: daughter in her bag. <laughs>
0: Do you have any uh, last words that you'd like to say about this whole process that you've learned about through this whole thing
1: well yeah i'm just grateful that i continue to evolve and learn more about how to construct the process um you know that's the advantage to having some kids that are a little bit older and more advanced thinkers and lovers, is that we can actually communicate i get some feedback as opposed to just having to you know, watch my athlete and see if he's moving better which they always do but the ocean of having some intelligence pe back one counterpoint is a really cool thing. So uh, coaching on that level is a really unique and specialized thing. but you know if you can get enough guys got involved in the actual understanding of the motor learning process, the movement process, and the pitching process, and the through hard, there's enough those guys out there like it. Mm-hmm. Those, you know, those are the guys that kind of lead, need to lead the forefront of that whole process. You know, Paul not needs to get together with a guy like me and say, okay, I admit, you're not the PhD, but you're churning out Isaac like a Bitch. And you're doing it exactly the opposite of the way I said it should be done. I love you, Paul, and your information is what I use, for goodness sakes. But at the same time, I moved like that. I moved like that kind of
2: sort of still in a small place. Right. But we're trying to teach that overall movement. You keep saying the words, it's a
1: continuous movement. They come up with an integrated system that teaches continuous movement. That's what I'm working on, Mike. That's it in a nutshell. Because we need something that teaches continuous movement in a more consistent, refined, technical way. I think in your field as well. I yeah. think that, that a guy like you is going to be real smart real soon with all this talk about movement that you and I do, and you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to teach my kids. I'm going to set myself apart from these other coaches. I'm going to teach my kids to be strong movers. Well, my athletes will be doing like awesome things. Unless you're already doing that already. Okay.
0: Well, there's a possibility. I mean, on a, I might go coach again at, at Vegas. Is it be a different yeah, yeah, place? So,
1: but you need to approach this and say, listen, I've got a whole new proposition for you as a coach i'm going to teach movement with my strength all right these boys are going to be in unbelievable shape but not only that they're going to be able to execute and then we're going to get back to doing things like pushing and pulling and whatever those four basic words you can do. those things well then correlate them to whatever sport you're involved in. agreed Whether it's a football player or basketball kid needs to jump or you know then we start dialing in specifically what we want to do you know, strength and mobility, you know-wise. For me, just my baseball players, my, my pitchers and hitters, that's all I want to deal with. interesting to watch other athletes in other sports and have the similar ideas. You know, how could I coach that? You know, mm-hmm. how could I make them? It gets fun to be creative coaching instead of doing the old, you know, okay, well tomorrow we go to the one knee drills and then we're going to do that. Yep. thing. Yeah. I still see them doing the same, that thing where they've got their feet parallel, mm-hmm. rotate the chest back, go like with and throw, and I said, okay, when do we throw like that in the game? right well no and sometimes' a little when I watch the young, 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 young programs the youth programs mm-hmm. okay that's all that's the only way they throw
2: up right. so
0: yeah so well I appreciate it coach thanks for your knowledge and everything it's been great talking to you
1: Mike it's always a pleasure to talk to you buddy you know
2: that